Father, for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. Father, we could never praise you enough. We could never thank you enough for Jesus and all that he has given us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, we invoke that name over every heart, every life, all those listening all over the world on live stream. And Father, that you would touch hearts, change lives, and overturn destinies. And Father, we never tire praying this prayer. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church. Hey, we're one of ten locations. Ten locations started from, from here, well, actually from our other building and so forth. And, uh, and so we're endeavoring just to reach this region and the world for the Lord. So we want to welcome each and every one of you. We especially want to take a moment to welcome all of our first-time guests. We're just so thrilled that you're here. Uh, return guests, uh, those watching via live stream, and of course our church family here, we, we welcome you. Praise the Lord. Well, well, this is, this, I guess, this is the last Sunday of summer officially, isn't it? You know, so it, it's bittersweet. Of course, I love hot weather. I love warm weather. I mean, it's supposed to be 85 today. But, uh, you know, during the summer, you only see partial of your congregation because vacations and so forth, and rightfully so. And so, of course, school starts, and then everyone starts coming back home, and so Praise the Lord. So either way, no matter what state we're in, no matter what month we're in, we rejoice. And so we're thrilled. Uh, I again want to just uh, add on to what our announcer said. A big thank you all those that came out to our, our work day at 45 Lake, Lakeview Avenue. That's our former church building, which is now under contract. Praise the Lord on, for Gospel Church, another church operating that location. So thank you all those that came out and help get it ready for uh, another church. And uh, I also want to make mention, every week we, we have volunteers that clean this church, and they, they go under the radar, get, hardly get noticed. So thank you for all those that uh, volunteer weekly to keep this building magnificent. Hey, I, I know we have a lot of folks out, people traveling, but if we have any of the kids here, we're going to go ahead and dismiss them to their program uh, this morning. And the rest of us, if you have your Bibles here this morning, I'm going to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis, chapter 21. Genesis, chapter 21. Now, the book of Genesis is really easy to find. It's the first book in the Bible. Now, if you're visiting with us or newer with us or watching online, uh, maybe you were like I was. Uh, I went to a traditional church, and we never brought our Bibles to church. And so, first time I went to a church like this, and they said, open your Bibles. I says, what? You know, we, we were almost encouraged not to read our Bibles. And so, but here at Family Church, we encourage you to bring your Bibles to follow along. Because it's so important to us that, that we, we get from the, the Word of God. We believe the Bible is the Word of God that we base our life, our doctrine, and, and after this. And so... We just don't want to say anything. You know, everything we say here ought to be judged. Is it in the Bible? So we encourage you to bring your Bibles along. But if you're visiting with us, what we're going to endeavor to do is have the scriptures on the overhead screen that you can see, hey, is that really in the Bible? And just a reminder for those of you that are watching online, whatever we're doing here, you do. If we're worshiping God, you worship God. If we're praying, you pray. If we're opening up our Bibles, you open up your Bibles. And so that way you can be a participant in the service. So in Genesis chapter 21, I'm going to start with verse 1. Genesis 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he hath spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so all that hear me will laugh with me. And she, Sarah said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would give children suck, for I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. 
So here we read of the account of Isaac being born. Isaac was a miracle child. We understand from the book of Genesis that when Abraham was 75 years old, God knocked on his door, so to speak, and said, Abraham, I need a covenant man in the earth. Would you uh, go in covenant with me? Would you serve me? And God says, if you will serve me, I will bless you. I'll do things for you. And by the way, Abraham, I know you're 75 years old. Uh, you haven't been able to have any children. If you'll serve me, I will give you a son. And so at the age of 75, uh, Abraham starts walking with God and is in, in covenant with God. And here we read the account 25 years later. So God, Abraham was serving God for 25 years. 25 years ago, God promised him a son. And at 100 years old, Abraham has a son through his wife, who is what? 90 years old. Do the math there. Yeah. And so uh, it's very interesting. I studied that out. And I'm not going to get into charts and graphs and so forth. But uh, this was a miracle. This was a miracle, you know, and then we, we, you know, our modern standard days, you know, you know, folks really stopped bearing uh, children after the age of 40. I mean, there are some records that some have even gone as far as 60 years old, but it's, it's usually not recommended. And uh, you study out that the time of childbearing had passed, Sarah. I mean, just naturally speaking, biolog her biological clock had died. Let's just keep it that way. There's just no, no natural way that she could bear a child. But at 90 years old, not at 40, not at 50, but at 90 years old, she bare a son called him Isaac. And um, thank God, thank God that God is a God of the miraculous. God does supernatural things. Luke 18.27 says, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. So we see this is true. It was impossible for Abraham to have a son through his, through his wife, um, Sarah, but at 90 years old, she bare. And so we, we know that was the hand of God. No one. No one can say, well, you know, that was just a coincidence that that happened. Well, you know, they, they tried hard in the prime, and once the prime dried up, and that's when God had done it. And sometimes that's how God does things. Um, I, I, I know a couple that came to our church that tried and tried and tried and tried to have children and could not, and spent thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, you know, with, with medical help, and there's nothing wrong with getting medical help, but could not produce children, you know, just, just could not conceive. And uh, uh, the woman developed some type of, I don't know, because of all the treatment stuff, uh, she became irregular in her cycles, and so uh, here they, they want kids, been spending a lot of money, and a doctor recommended you need to go on the pill to get regular, get your cycle regular. So here, you know, all these years trying and trying, and now the doctor says you have to go on the pill. And so she goes on the pill, and guess what? She gets pregnant. <laughs> yes. Not only gets pregnant, and they said she couldn't bear children, she had two kids. Yeah. And, and that has happened again and again. I mean, we've had some people get mad at us and says, I thought we were barren. We started going to your church. We started having kids again. They got mad at us. <laughs> so, just, just a, a word of warning. Praise the Lord. The God is the God of, of miraculous. Praise the Lord. And so nothing's impossible with God. Now, why are we bringing this account? The birth of Isaac is a type of our new birth. I mean, we couldn't save ourselves. We, we were lost. We were wretched. Uh, we were hopeless. We were helpless when it came to, to uh, going to heaven and uh, being a, a righteous person. But thank God in His great love and mercy, when it was impossible with us, God reached out. God sent a Savior. God sent a deliverer. His name is Jesus and he showed his great love towards us and he, he redeemed us. And so we all, like Isaac, really are, are miracle children. How many know the, the new birth is a miracle? 
The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sin. We were children of the devil. We have the, the nature of the devil in us. But when we get born again, the light of God, the very essence of God shines in the spirit. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Old things become new. And, and we, not, not just in some theory or philosophy, we become children of God. We have the very life nature of God inside when we're born again. That, that's miraculous. We could not do that ourselves. And so the type of Isaac here is, is a type of the new birth that all of us, when we, we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become born again. We too, like Isaac, become miracle children. Now, what we're going to look at in this type and shadow of our new birth is something very interesting we read about in the life of Isaac in verse 8. What does verse 8? I'm reading down the King James. Your Bible may read similar, but, you know, different version, just a little bit different wording. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great, fee, a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So this miracle child was born, then tells us three things happen after this miracle child was born. Number one, the baby grew. I mean, this, you've come this morning for great revelations. The baby grew? Wow. You know, let's pause and meditate on that. Mmm, the deep things. Mmm, he grew. Yes, I get that, Pastor. That, that, that's deep. Number two, not only did he grow... But he was weaned. Hmm. And so, not a, born, he grew, he was weaned, and when he was weaned, it was a cause of great celebration. And so, uh, there, there's a correlation here. We're taking Isaac, his birth supernatural our new birth in Christ is supernatural and uh, we're going to see that uh, as Isaac took certain steps and and the the Bible recorded that we're to take super certain steps after we're born again uh, the first thing we see is number one you know the baby grew that means after we're born again after we receive Jesus we too are to grow spiritually I know that's heavy that's deep you know there, there is a natural correlation uh, na natural birth to spiritual birth and uh, you know uh, a baby being born is a cause of great joy and rejoicing into any home and uh, you know and you know, we, we just about four months ago had a, a grandbaby, and I tell you, every day, you know, just that child brings us great joy along with when our children are born, great joy. And uh, even though we, we love the, the babyhood stage, and, and you, you love that, then, you know, and I get, uh, I get these reminders, I have like 10,000 photos saved, and every day it sends me an email of all the photos I took on this certain day and what year. So it goes way, way back. And so every year I get this, and I, I see my kids as toddlers, you know. And Nancy and I would often say, man, we, we just wish we can make them small again like that. So, you know, just so fun. And, you know, just, just the, the joy that, that kids, kids bring, bring to the world and bring into your life. But that's not God's intention for anything to remain a baby. Now, my children are now in their 20s. And um, if they still acted and were dependent upon us as they were when they were babies, that would not be a, a reason to rejoice. That would be a cause of what? Great concern. Something is wrong here. Houston, something's wrong. See, God created for all healthy things to grow. The day that a tree stops growing is the day it dies. And so God, even though babies are born and they bring much joy and rejoicing, God's intention is for them to grow. And hence, the Bible said, Isaac was born, but didn't stay that 
way as a baby, the child began to grow. And so we too must grow. But uh, we're going to now get into the interesting part. Not only did the child grow, it was weaned. And so we could say this, that weaning is part of the growth process. Now, what, what is weaning if you're, you're not familiar with it? Well, um, when a baby is born, of course, it's nursed of its mother. And it's dependent on his mother for mother's milk. But what weaning is when that child grows and is no longer dependent on his mother's milk and stops feeding from his or her uh, from his mother whether it's a a boy or a girl you know and so forth and so um, so the child grew was dependent on mama and was weaned and came to a place that he was no longer dependent on his mother in that way. And there, there is something spiritual here that, uh, of course, part of growth, and we understand that about natural growth, a baby is so dependent on everything, dependent on its parents, dependent on his mother. But as it grows, that child learns to do things on its own. And that is a very pleasing thing to a parent. It's how God created that things were meant to grow. And uh, this weaning process is part of it. Um, a, a English definition of weaning is to detach from a source of dependence. A child is dependent on his mother. But as it's weaned, it's, it's not so dependent upon his mother let me ask you this brothers and sisters are there some things that we can become dependent on that we can lean on that can hinder our spiritual growth well I'll let you answer that for yourself a 30 year old still nursing on his mother there's something wrong with that I don't know what culture says about that but if, if you have any sense at all, that's just wrong. That, that, that's against natural order. They're, 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 you, you look at that situation, there's something seriously wrong with the child, and there's something certainly wrong with the parent that would allow such a thing. And so weaning is a healthy process. Weaning is part of the growth process as God intended uh, to be. And so what I want to do, with God's help and with your help, is look at some things that all of us need to wean from. That once we're born again, that we need to stop leaning on, stop relying on, stop clinging to, after we grow in the Lord. And so, I, I, I will need some help because, you, you know, when a baby's weaned, it's not a quick process that says, nah, I don't need this anymore. Yeah, yeah. A baby fusses over it. This is, how dare you? How dare you cut me off cold turkey like this? Yeah. And I'll cry and throw a fuss and... You know, it's a hard process because there, there is a comfort. There's a security in the way things are when, when you're, you're dependent on something. And now that, that security blanket is gone, that comfort thing is gone, uh, it makes us uncomfortable. But it's part of growth. So, what are some things we should be weaned of? Weaned of, weaned from. Well, the first thing we're going to look at is being led and controlled by our feelings and our emotions. You know, I, I would dare say that's probably the number one thing that uh, 
uh, would help Christians the most in their spiritual growth and their walk with the Lord is to learn to be weaned from their feelings, weaned from their emotions, and, and, and not to be led by them, not to be controlled by them. So, what are feelings? The Bible definition of feelings, and that's and we, we got to look at this, and we got to see why we need to be weaned from following them and them directing our lives. Uh, the Bible definition of feelings: feelings are an expression of our body, or an expression of our flesh. Um, when you're you're hungry, that's a feeling, right? And what does that feeling tell you? Feed me. And and if we go too long, feed me right now, and we get very irritable and, and so forth. What 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 it is? It's a feeling. When when our our body is tired, it doesn't send an email to you. Oh, by the way, I'm tired. No, it sends a feeling. You feel tired. It's trying to send a message. It's trying to say, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to act right now. You know, hungry, drop everything. I don't care. You drop everything and you get me a cheeseburger. And if you drink coffee and all of a sudden you can't keep your eyes up and your body's craving, you know, caffeine, your body's you're saying, send caffeine now. Double espresso. Double the sugar. You need it now. It, it does not send an email. It does not say, excuse me. Excuse me, can I, have a, can, I have a, can I say something here? I can use some caffeine right now. I can use some sugar. I can use some carbs. I can, no, feelings. So we, we have to understand the, the source where feelings come from. But also, some feelings can be an expression of our soul. We understand this, that man is a triune being. He is a spirit man who lives forever. He has a soul, consists of your mind, will, and your emotions, and he has a body. So, feelings, we understand our body will communicate through feelings, but also our soul can communicate something very akin to feelings, which is emotions. It got quiet. And so we're, we're talking about being weaned. We're talking about no longer being controlled by our feelings and by our emotions, which is part of spiritual growth. Now, are feelings and emotions wrong? Absolutely not. God created us to have feelings. God created us to have emotions. They were meant to color our life, just like these stained glass windows. Aren't they beautiful? I mean, we could just put clear white windows in there. It'd be nice. But man, the colors and the combination, I mean, it just pops. And see, God created feelings and emotions for our life to pop. For our, our lives to, to be enriched and exciting. How dull, how boring life would be without feelings and emotions. Now, we're going to go sci-fi here this morning. Now, there, there is a war between Star Trek and Star Wars. I'm not bringing division into the body iPhone, Android device, wherever you stand. I, I'm neutral. I'm son of the road. But if you watch Star Trek, we know this is a symbol of the Vulcans. Vulcans have no emotions. They, they suppress all of their emotions. And, uh, you know, everything is logical, not emotional. And it, what is it? It's an extreme. And you know what? They get on your nerves. You, you watch every episode. 
the Vulcan get on nerve because they don't feel anything. They have no emotion. It's all logic. Imagine being married to a Vulcan. <laughs> Live long and prosper. That's equivalent to saying, I love you. You know, somebody, uh, somebody says, I am married to a Vulcan. Help me, Jesus. Yeah. But, but they, they get on your nerves because they're, they're, there's, there's no color, no life. You know, and you get episodes. There's something beautiful, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, something in the cosmos that's so glorious. And they, the, oh, ah, look at that. And the Vulcan is, yeah, and they just explain what it is without beholding the beauty and the poetry of what they're seeing. And so, feelings and emotions bring color into our lives. You know, when you have children, there's emotions. Um, You know, when you get married, there ought to be emotions and feelings. Uh, Looking at nature and looking at beautiful things, there, there ought to be uh, color and God intended it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, dear God, try to go to Disney with a Vulcan. You know, just walk in there, but ooh, ah, let's do this. And so, so we're talking about growth. And so, what we're saying, we're, we're I'm not saying to become a Vulcan because that's arid. That's not God's design. Is to recognize God created you to have feelings. God created you to have emotions. But part of growth is learning to be weaned from them that you no longer allow them to control you. It'll allow you to make decisions for you. All right. Why should we be weaned from our emotions? You know, following them and, and, and our feelings. Emotions are wonderful followers, but horrible leaders. As colorful as they are, they are very fickle and sometimes downright unstable. A person who is led and dominated by their feelings and their emotions will be very fickle and unstable as well. Feelings and emotions can be likened to the weather. I mean, we all have our, our weather likes. Mine is 85, sunny, no wind, a little bit on the human side. That's the perfect day for me. Some of you who have fallen further down from grace may like it colder. <laughs> And how many know that, that the weather can affect your feelings and your emotions? I, I know people in California, they went somewhere, and they went somewhere of three days, it was overcast skies, and they said, I'm getting depressed. You got to understand, I says, getting depressed, we, we go six weeks without sun in the wintertime, and if they get three days, oh my goodness. But, but your feelings, emotions can be like weather. I mean, you know, weather changes. Weather fluctuates. And, and what if, what if that the days of the week were determined by what kind of weather we have? If it's a sunny day like today, guess what? That is Sunday. So, it, so every morning you have to wake up and just see what the weather says. In order to determine what your day is. You'd say that, that'd be confusing. To have to check the weather. You know, do I go to work or do I have a day off? And if it's rainy, oh, oh, then that means it's a Wednesday. You know, if it's windy, it's Thursday. The chaos of having to, to have the weather determine the day of your week. But I mean, there's a lot of Christians. That's how they live their lives. They wake up. Well, I'm irritable, so I'm going to be irritable today. Oh, I just feel sad, so I'm going, to, I'm going to be sad today. You know, I, I, I feel like I want to be left alone, so I'm just going to be left alone today. Yeah, 
I don't feel like going to work, so what? I'm not going to go to work. I don't feel like going to school. I'm not going to go to school. Wow. Wow. The world would be in chaos if the day of the week was governed by the weather. Christians often live in chaos because they're governed by their feelings and their emotions. Yeah. Yay. 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 Life would be confusing. Now, let's, let's get chapter and verse. When we are led by our feelings and our emotions, that is what the Bible calls a carnal Christian or a baby Christian that has not grown. Isaac grew, um, Isaac was born, but he grew and he was weaned. We as Christians must be weaned from certain things. And one of the first things is being weaned from being dictated and led by our feelings. Yeah. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Spiritual growth is like natural growth. You know, a baby, as beautiful and wonderful they are, they're very feeling-based. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I need to be changed. I just don't feel right. Sometimes you don't know why they're crying. You know, everything is them and feelings and so forth. And it's cute on a baby, all right? But what if a parent acted like that? Now, don't get me wrong. When, when you, you have a baby and they smile and they giggle, whoo, the feelings and emotions. Ah. But three in the morning, when the child's been crying for two hours, inconsolable, that parent feels something. And if that parent acts by their feelings, and, and this group by their feelings, it's dangerous to the child and dangerous to the home. And see, part of maturity is you've got to learn to suck it up and say, I may feel this. I may, I may feel this. I may, you know, my emotions may want to explode, but I am in control here. A parent has to be. Or you'll throw the kid out the window. Yeah, babies can't help it. But as you grow, you got to be weaned from being controlled. That's called being an adult and mature. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual or spiritually mature Christians, but as to carnal, unto babes in Christ. Notice, we have spiritual growth, but we also have something called carnal Carnal means flesh-ruled or feeling-ruled. And what does it call it? A baby. So people that are led of their feelings and their emotions aren't mature Christians. They're babies in Christ. The child grew and was weaned. So we must be weaned of being led of our feelings. Now, I, I want, I'm, gonna, I'm starting to fix the clothes. That's, that's my introduction. Now I, I'm, I'm ready to start talking about what I really want to talk to you about. But we'll have to pick this up next week. But I'm fixing the clothes. And for those of you who've been with me, you know exactly what that means. Learning to be weaned from your feelings. I want to talk about right now Feeling faults or failures. Things when it comes to feelings and emotions that you don't want to, to give yourself into. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is allowing your feelings to dictate how you feel about something. Allowing your feelings to dictate to you how to feel. Now that sounds like contradiction. Well, 
if you're a baby Christian, you know, you, what do you mean? I feel and I, I do. But when you become a mature person, you allow, just like a parent when that child is crying three in the morning inconsolable, a parent knows, I can't act on those feelings. I cannot allow those feelings to control how I treat that child and be dangerous for the child. And see, that's part of maturity. And so, we as Christians, we'll feel things. You know, but we have to understand it is a, an expression of our flesh that has a sinful nature. It will feel, it will fluctuate. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's ugly. Just like the weather, but as the weather doesn't determine the day of the week, our feelings and emotions doesn't determine what we do in a day and our outlook of the day. If I feel sad, doesn't, doesn't mean I'm going to be sad. If I feel disappointed, doesn't mean I'm going to be disappointed. If I, I feel irritable and against the world, doesn't mean I'm going to be against the world. I dominate my flesh. Galatians 5.22 says this, And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against there is such... There is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Right here is the key. Here, here it's, it says, what's in our spirit when we're born again? And also what's in our flesh? I'm not done yet, so you don't need to check your clock. So that's a dangerous thing to look at your clock while I'm preaching. And so it talks about crucifying the flesh and its affections. You know what that is? Your feelings. Here it says, you have love, joy, peace in your spirit, and you need to crucify the affections of your lust. And it says, if you live in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Your feelings. But notice what's in your spirit. The big three. Love, joy, and peace. If you're born again, you continually have love, joy, and peace on the inside. You have access 24-7, every day of the week, access to love, joy, and peace. Your flesh will want to express anger, wrath, resentment, and if, if everything's good, nice, then it has a little joy and a little peace. Up, down, up, down, depending on circumstance and stimuli. But on the inside of you, you have love, joy, and peace. And part of your Christian maturity is in any given situation, you tap into your spirit. Your flesh may be a roaring lion, and I want to hit them. I want to say something. I want to return railing for railing. You hurt me. You disappoint me. And I'm just going to give you what you deserve. Now, I know you have neighbors like that, but none of you have ever felt that. And it may be a roaring lion. But maturity says, stop. You treat it like dogs. You play dead. Sit. You know, Jesus said this, to, to love your enemies. To do good to them that hate you. To pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Do you naturally feel to love your enemies? No, I mean, unless you're a flower or something. <laughs> Let's take Gio. Gio is, is, he's always smiling and happy. If I were to hear him slap him and say, you idiot. He's going to feel something. First of all, he's going to feel a slap on his face and that beautiful smile. And see, I, and he's got brothers. And you don't go against the brothers. And all of a sudden, the brothers are going to be on me and, and they're going to want to attack me and kill me. You know, you know. See, we may feel things. But part of Christian growth is not to act on those. To realize I don't need to. You know, you married folk. Oh, and it got quiet now. <laughs> Have you ever had time in intense fellowship? Yes. 
Yeah. Do you feel things? Do you have emotions? All right? So you're agreeing that you have a flesh and you have a soul. Now, let me ask you this. In time of tense fellowship, your flesh says, just give him a big hug and a wet kiss. Your flesh says, just buy her, buy her another purse. No, your flesh and your emotions says, crucify them. Crucify them. Let them have it. They hurt me. Whether you act on those feelings or not determines if you sow into the flesh. And if you sow into flesh, what the Bible says, you reap corruption. That's why there's problems in marriages and homes. Just because they allow their feelings and emotions to dominate. Well, you don't know what he says. You don't know what he does. I don't. But Jesus said to love your enemies. And if that's your husband, that's your wife. They qualify. You love them. You do good. So you've got to understand, that is not based in your feelings and your emotions. That's based here in your spirit. Yeah. And you have it on the inside. See, Christian maturity is how, how well you hold them down. How well you hold them down. You just got to learn to smile. When, when your flesh and emotion is so loud, it says, I, I can take you out right now with my words and the 10 years of my martial arts experience. Mm. This will date you. This will date you. you you're going to be 40 years and older. Remember Robert Conrad, Dursell Battery? Make my day. He was supposed to be a tough guy. I mean, try to take that battery off of me and, and I'll handle you. I mean, you know, that's, that's your flesh talking. Make my day. Just push one more button. I'll let you have it. I'll return railing for railing. And did you ever notice that when you give into your flesh, it never produces a peaceful solution? You pour gasoline on the fire. Why? The Bible says, say that so to the flesh of the flesh reap corruption. Then why do I have marriage problems? I know. You sow to the flesh. That's all it is. Yeah. Why do you have a relationship problem? You sow to the flesh. You don't have your flesh in control. But you don't know what he says. You don't know what he does. You don't know how she acts. And so it doesn't matter. You got to control your flesh. You got to control your emotions. You're going to stand before Jesus yourself and not your spouse or not that person that keeps pushing your buttons. And actually, you ought to thank God there's someone's putting your, pushing your buttons right now. You ought to thank God for it. Now we're playing with the big boys. Yeah. I'm fixing the clothes addendum too. We'll pick this up. Brother Hagen, my spiritual dad, he pastored. And if you're pastored, you pastored, you, you got to learn to walk in love. You know, and um, they're having testimony meeting. And so he was asking for testimonies in the congregation. And, and says, just, just share something you're thankful for. And so, sister so-and-so would say something, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. And you got several of the congregation, you know, and, and so forth. He said, now, now it's my turn. And he says, I publicly want to thank Sister Susie, or Sister, whatever her name was. And everyone, oh! <gasps> because everyone knew she gave the church Everyone else and the pastor the hardest time. It's sad that there are people like that. And it, but he was sincere. He says, I sincerely want to thank God for her. And says, she has developed my love walk. She, she has uh, helped me to learn to control my mind and my emotions. I have grown spiritually because of her in my life. The Bible says don't be overcome with evil. That's the problem. We get overcome with evil and we're a victim and we're hurt and this stuff keeps happening to me. No, you overcome it with good. Allow Jesus to dominate. So we're going to have to pick this up. We're going to deal with our feelings, 
our emotions and, and, and stop being ruled by them. And you're going to find out if you have a down day, it's simply your fault. Yeah. You chose to be down. You, you chose that. Christ in you never has a down day. But we're, we're going to learn how to do this. We're going to navigate these waters. And i got to take it lightly because like weaning, it's not a one-time shot. <laughs> There's a lot of fussing and fighting when you wean a child. And, and the violence, after it stops whining and whippering, it gets used to it and thinks, ew, I used to do that when I was a kid? How gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully all of us, you know what? I used to respond for my emotions. Every time I get upset, I would yell. I would slam doors, I would give the cold shoulder, I, I would talk to the hand. We ought to say, gross, I used to act that way, how childish. All right, let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. Lord, you've given us the story of Isaac. He was a miracle child, but he didn't reign a child, he, he grew, and part of that growth was weaning. And Father, there, there's things we're going to be looking at together to be weaned from that's part of our spiritual growth. Father, you're trying to help us. You're trying to mature us. And Father, we thank you for your spirit that uh, will help each and every one of us. Father, to, to walk in our potential, to walk in our maturity, to walk in the Christ that is in us. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, real quick, we talked about spiritual growth, that once, once we made Jesus the Lord of our life, we're born again, and God wants us to grow into a spiritually mature Christian. And maybe you're here today, and uh, you're not sure if you're a Christian or not, or you're, you may be like so many, this is why I go to church, or I'm an American, or I'm just a good person, that makes me a Christian, but it's important to get the Bible definition. That's why we, we, we always like to look at the Bible, because Jesus said a Christian, a Bible definition of a Christian is someone who's born again. Jesus himself in John chapter 3 says that unless you're born again, you'll not enter the kingdom of God. That The new birth is essential of being a Christian and in, in going into heaven. Why is that? Well, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we're all honest, we can say, yeah, I, I've sinned. If you're honest with yourself, you say, I, I've sinned once in, at least once in my lifetime, some of us more. And see, it's that sin that will keep you out of heaven. There's no natural remedy for sin. Only the blood of God can wash away sin. See, if we could just been good and get to heaven, we could, Jesus wouldn't need to come and die for us and shed his blood. But we need his Savior. We need the divine blood of God to save us. And the beautiful thing is, is Jesus already paid the price. And to take care of our sin, all we need to do is, is accept Him as our Lord and Savior. When we accept Him as Lord and Savior, not only is our sin remedied with His blood, but we, we talked about a new birth, that we become children of God. God takes His, our, our sinful nature out of us, out of our spirit, and puts His, his love nature, His goodness nature on the inside. That we actually can act like God in the earth if we follow our spirits. This is something you can't do with by self-will, it's something God does on the inside of us. And when you're born again, you know it. And the beautiful thing about being born again, if you were to die, you know you go to heaven. And it's, God puts that assurance. But maybe you're hearing, you're not sure. Maybe you're watching, you're not sure. Maybe you don't know you're a Christian. We, we want to invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. With heads bowed, eyes closed, real quick. Is there anybody here, first of all, in this building that you've never been born again? That uh, maybe you've never heard of it, or, or maybe you have, and it was never explained to you. But something on the inside, in your belly, or your, your heart, your conscience, saying, you know, I need to do that. That's God knocking at the door of your heart. That's how real God is. That's how real uh, the things of God are. That God would personally come down and knock at the door of your heart. Not your physical heart, but your, your conscience. And if there's anybody here that you feel that knocking or you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you raise your hand? When you raise your hand, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to stand. Uh, we just want to see who we're praying for. Once I see your hand, I'll acknowledge you. You can put it down. Is there anybody here, anybody here that uh, you need to be born again? 
And if you're watching by live stream, go ahead and raise your hand. I can't see your hand, but God can. That's the most important thing. I'm going to give one more invitation here. I, I know it's summertime, and it's mostly the commitment to come to church even in summertime. But maybe you're here, and you have been born again. You have made Jesus the Lord of your life. But you know you're not walking with him. You're what the Bible calls a prodigal son or daughter. It's what we call backslidden. You just know in your heart that, hey, I, I, I accepted Jesus, but I, I'm not walking with him. I know it. And this morning, the service says, you know what? God has talked to me. I want to rededicate my life to him. Again, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're not going to embarrass anybody. This is a very personal between you and God. But if that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody here? Raise your hand. You understand Sunday morning in the summertime, you're committed, but we want to make sure. But if you're here or you watch online and you've raised your hand or should have raised your hand, the Bible says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can call on the Lord and be saved. How do you become saved? You call by prayer. Calling is like you call a friend. You call upon God. And a very simple prayer like this, God, I believe. That Jesus is your son. I believe he died for me. He rose again from the dead. And I accept him right now as my Lord and Savior. You don't need to say those exact words. But let your heart agree with it. And very simply and sincerely before God. That's calling on him Lord. And the Bible says whoever calls on me. I'll know why he's cast out. It doesn't matter where you've been. What you've done. What you know. What you don't know. All that come to him, he'll embrace and put his life on the inside. So you go ahead and pray that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, please contact us. We want to help you get started. We want to congratulate you. This, this Christian life is a dynamic life, a life full of victory. And, and so relevant for today and a greater need today than it ever has in society. As people have gotten away from God, so has society gone darker and darker. And so you prayed that, let us know in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I trust you were helped and blessed. And so you, you want to come back next week. You know why? Because if you don't come back next week, we're just going to say, oh, it's their flesh. <laughs> uh, you know, how many of you ever have flesh? I don't want to go to church. How many of you flesh? I don't want to go to work. What, what if you listen to that? You know, you, your life would be just a mess. And so, go, go ahead, team. Uh, for those of you visiting, we're just going to close with a song. We're going to stand, worship, then, then we'll dismiss you. Thank you for listening to me.